the episode number anymore. Zero point something or other episode of Behind the Geeks. I am joined by the legendary Pete Matheson, Richard Tubb and Scott Riley. This is the show where we talk about all the craziness and fun and excitement and challenging stuff that goes along with running an MSP in today's landscape. And we have a bit of fun and we laugh and we, we be a little bit stupid along the way, which is what we're all about. And tonight's topic, uh, it's, it's starting to turn into the what challenges does Scott have show. And after each call, we go, all right, Scott, we, we, we talked about that one. What's the next challenge you've got in your MSP? Because the three of us, the other three of us, we don't have MSPs anymore where we can go and test and play with this stuff. And so it's all right, Scott, what's the next challenge you're struggling with? And uh, we'll use that as next week's topic. And so, and so this week or last week, we decided that this week we'll be talking about virtual assistants and VAs and, and hiring assistants for busy MSP owners. And uh, I know we've all got our crazy fair share of stories probably going through all of that, our, our own journeys in hiring and leading people and virtual people and on-site people and admin assistants and all that sort of stuff. And so tonight is where we kind of open the kimono and dive into all the um, mistakes that we all made pretty much and, and areas where we had success as well. Uh, so I'm going to throw it across to Mr. Richard Tubb first, because Richard is known as the king of hiring and leading a team of VAs. He's got about 74 million of them around the world that are on his team in all sorts of different capacities. And so, Richard, you're, you've been in the space of hiring assistants in many ways, like admin assistants yeah. and studio managers and all sorts of stuff in, in many ways for many, many, many years now. And so, so I'm going to throw it across to you. I don't know where we get, the conversation is going to go, but um, perhaps just a bit of a story around how you started or something might be a good place to kick sure. off. So things. Let's have a look. It's been, and, and first of all, hello from Edinburgh. So as you can tell, I'm not in the studio garage uh, today. And uh, yeah. I'm in Edinburgh in Scotland, despite Storm Dudley, which has been hammering. So they, they pretty much, I'm not going to say close the borders, but they cancelled all the trains at four o'clock yesterday. So I just managed to get into Edinburgh. Uh, before they cancelled everything. So here I am anyway. But just yeah, virtual now. assistants. Yeah, just can't get back now. I'm stuck a bit. There are worse places to be stuck than being surrounded by haggis and beer. Trust me, Pete. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So virtual assistants or VAs or admin assistants. So it's been, what, 11, 12 years since I sold the uh, MSP business. And uh, as anybody who runs an MSP business will know, employees can be challenging and apologies <laughs> if any employees are watching uh, today but employees unlike us as business owners where we are driven and just want to get everything done and it's our passion our love all the rest of it employees have personal lives and they have sickness and they have motivations and demotivations and all these type of things so when i sold the msp business i said to myself actually i don't want to build another business with employees I want to build a business with other like-minded individuals like myself who are, are really good at what they do, who are world-class at what they do, and just get on and do the work. So that was the idea uh, years ago. And as you say, fast forward to today, I've surrounded myself with a team of uh, virtual assistants. And I, I think we should probably dismiss that idea about calling them VAs because it yeah, makes it sound yeah. as though it's all admin assistants. As Nigel has alluded to, you know, I've got uh, Lara, who's a studio manager, I've got Karina, who's like a, a, an exec assistant to me and the team. I've got Mark, who does video editing. So when we talk about VAs, we're not just talking about admin assistants. And I know up front, I'll say up front, of course, I don't run an MSP business anymore. You know, it's more of a media company that I run. But the concept is the same for any MSPs watching. The idea being fundamentally that you need to concentrate on what you do best and surround yourself with people who can lighten the load for you, who can do the things that... A, you don't want to do, 
or B, you shouldn't be doing. And so admin comes near the top of that list. So perhaps if we start today's conversation around admin and we can go a little bit deeper into all the other things that VAs or outsourced help can help with the managed service provider. Yeah, cool. Um, Pete, in your MSP, was, when you hired your first person, were they admin side or were they technical, your first hire? No, they were, they were technical. And I think it's quite a common thing because you, you're, you're the techie, you start the business, you kind of get involved in all the technical stuff and you spend your time obviously growing the business and you've got the work to deliver. Most of the time I'm finding those kind of business owners, they then need another techie to go and carry on doing the technical stuff to then free them up to either do the more senior technical stuff because they've typically got more senior experience or go out and do like a sales thing and go out and get more business because that frees them up to go and do that. Um, no, I actually, I wasted a very long time to hire a VA, someone someone that's going to um, kind of uh, assist me with just the day-to-day admin stuff. We actually outsourced marketing. That was one of the things we did. We found like a graphic designer. I, I find we can run through like the list of job roles in a bit, I guess. But if you've got a specific task, I found out it's really great to go out and find someone for that specific task rather than just finding somebody to do all of the stuff. Ask I do have a VA now. I, a VA is actually one of the first things I did with um, my new business now. Um, and they do a lot of the kind of, the kind of general admin behind the scenes day-to-day stuff. Uh, but I also have specific people to go and like do the graphic work or do the um, like style of documents and templates and just that kind of thing. So it, it really helps just really niching down what you're looking for. But yeah, most people I find go out and get that technical person. And typically speaking, and be interesting to discuss this maybe, is that would be an employed full-time, someone yeah, you yeah. join on. Maybe part they might start as part-time, but you typically bring them in as a, a like a real physical person rather than a virtual person. I don't know if there's anyone that's had experience of doing that first role, but actually outsourcing that first role. Technical, outsourcing the technical, yeah, technical. from a remote. Yeah. No, we didn't. We, we hired in, internally as well when we did that one. Yeah, I've always been very nervous about hiring technical external, and that's, you know, we, we've got some fantastic people like Uptime and those kind of guys. Um, I've always been very nervous about hiring externally. I always mm. like to have it in-house so I can control it, so to speak. <laughs> on the pole oh sorry what was that you've hit upon, i was going to say you've hit upon something that's super important to do with this entire conversation Pete, and that is we made a joke out of it but control yeah so there's going to be lots of msps lots of it business owners lots of business owners watching today who are like yeah virtual assistants assistants not so much because nobody can do it as well as i can do it. <laughs> so let's address that elephant in the room right now if you want to grow your business you cannot do it alone yeah. You've got to surround yourself with people who can do the job. Now, granted, when you first start out, the people that you surround yourself with may not do the job exactly the way you would do it, but they will learn to do it better than you over time, but you must give them the chance. And the other point I just want to make, uh, Pete, that you said early on is, and I think this is the second golden rule of, of sort of outsourcing and, and hiring assistants and things is do not try to find one single super VA to do everything you know if you're hiring somebody who's going to do the admin and the marketing and this that and the other it doesn't work you are much much better off hiring people for individual skills talents or resources than you are trying to find one person to do everything for you yeah yeah that that's how when when i started going through my journey i i had that very delineated line between hiring general admin assistance people people that were like it was a kind of a low skilled work and they were able to do low skilled tasks that we could document and repeat and whatnot. So that was like quoting and ordering and, and all of that sort of back end accounting and admin and bookkeeping and all of that sort of stuff. 
Um, and so it was easy to hire a general administrative person that was just good at following procedures and making sure things were checked up and whatnot. And then on the whenever we needed specialization, that was instead of trying to get a general person to go, hey, yeah, you do our marketing now and our sales and all this other stuff, that was when we then went into looking for the specialized people. And that might nowadays, if we typically go to places like Upwork when if we want an awesome graphic designer or um, a marketing implementation person or whatever it happens to be, a, a slide deck creator or uh, whatever it happens to be, and we go find those those people that have got the skill that are just being a VA or an assistant or whatever just for that particular skill set out there. And that's how we like to do it in our business. We're, we use both very regularly. We've got, a, we've got admin people that are like Fatima on the team runs our admin team, and she is awesome. She, was, she will just follow any procedure that we come up with, and she'll work with us to come up with the procedures and whatnot. But then whenever in the business we need a, an awesome graphic designer or whatever, we just go straight to that task sourcing route, and we go to Upwork or, or one of those platforms in there. One one platform I'll mention in throw in there as well is um, onlinejobs.ph. Yeah. So we had a, a huge amount of success. It's, it's it can be quite challenging to find the right person on it. Yeah. But basically, it's a, a Filipino workers. It's like Filipino recruitment site. So you, it's only Filipino workers on there. Benefit being they are very 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 affordable um, in one. But it does mean that you have to put a bit more time and effort into finding the right person yes. and maybe interviewing and being a lot more specific on the job spec. And there's a few other nuances. Um, the 13th month i don't know if you guys have ever, ever come across that at all. oh yeah yeah we we, we so have because um, we've got a team in the philippines we've got to deal with all of those oh, things awesome. we've got ways around how we deal with them so maybe cover some of that stuff off there nigel yeah, oh, philippines has I, a um, number of different my teams. thing is here i'll oh, be back in a moment oh there's pete's got a new toy on the way um but as pete said there i don't know that, i don't know in the, the uk there's probably not a lot of um benefit to hiring in the philippines because it's the other side of the world which means you've got to like the time zones just don't line up for people whereas you guys have got as we we're talking about on one of the other calls like south africa that tight lines up which has got that cost differential um so that you can still get people at ridiculously good prices compared to local uk talent and they're in your time zone so you don't have to make them wake up at 10 o'clock at night to to start work for you but uh right. for those of you are who are doing things in the philippines there are so many different nuances that um that you just got to be aware of things like the 13th month, which is where in December every year, typically Filipinos expect an extra month of pay because it's normal over there for them to, to get their extra month of pay, um, kind of a Christmas bonus over there. And so so the first time I hired someone, they get to the 13th, like December, and we'd, we'd never heard of it. And they're like, when do we get our 13th month? And it's like, huh, what? We're going to pay you another full month, and which was fine because they don't, um, it, it's the, the, the wage differential is massive. But um, yeah, there's, there's a ton of little nuances like that. Not only tactical nuances like that sort of stuff and, and compliance nuances and whatever, but also cultural nuances. But once you get through them all, um, holy crap, it can be an amazing experience. And we've used online jobs to hire a number of people. We've got, um, we've got a team of full-timers over in the field. We've got a couple of full-timers over in the Philippines. And one of them has been with me now for three and a half years. In my MSP, we had someone on the team, in the admin team for... Oh, she's, she's, I sold my MSP five years ago now. Um, she was working for me for three years before I sold the MSP, and she's still there now at the MSP running the admin team behind the scenes, doing all the, the, the ordering and the logistics and the quotes and all of that sort of stuff um, for everyone. So it's, it can work really well. And I think, as I said, you guys in the UK, you've got access to some amazing talent down in um, South Africa with a price differential and that you can kind of do currency arbitrage to, to get access to awesome stuff in there. And that's what we're talking about. Sorry, what was that? Yeah. Richard? I was going to say, uh, Nigel, in the chat, Sam James says plus one for support adventure. Yeah. He said he got his first tech help in South Africa there. Uh, there's a point to be made as well. So if you know, you're know watching this and you're new to the world of virtual assistants or VAs, 
Uh, and so most people immediately jump because of books like the four hour work week by Tim <laughs> Ferriss, yeah. they immediately jump to right. I've got to hire somebody in another part of the world. Yeah, and there yeah. are advantages for that. As we talked about the Philippines, you know, uh, incredibly high levels of education, uh, really good work ethic and that, and then there's economic uh, benefits to doing it. So uh, some of my team are based in South Africa uh, for all the reasons that we talked about, and they are incredible uh, workers. And uh, for those of you in the UK, it's like one, two hours difference, depends on what time of year it is. But there is a point to be made here. When we talk about virtual assistants, we are not just talking about, you know, uh, working with somebody in different parts of the world. So more than 50% of my team are based here in the UK. And that's because they're the best people for the job. You know, if somebody in South Africa was a better fit for, for the work, so be it, or the Philippines or whatever, but so I think it's probably we want to be clear to everybody watching, you know, outsourcing, delegating virtual assistance does not mean just going for the cheapest resource oh, yeah. in a different part of the world. It, that is a real shortcut to <laughs> falling out of love with the whole VA uh, movement. So you want to be working with people who do the job to a, to a really high or better standard than you can do it yourself. Um, so question uh, run around the room. When would you hire your first person? And well, Okay, interesting. Yesterday. When would you hire your first person, yeah. your physical person? When would you hire your first VA? If you're starting a brand new business, <clears throat> what would be the, the things that trigger that, that happening for you? Uh, you go for Nigel. Where am I? Up here. Go for it. To me, it's, it's different in, in each scenario based on, um, like, you're, like, you've got a bunch of different nuance to that. So you kind of, kind of got to know where you're going, what you're good at, what you need to focus on, what challenge, like, what work you've got for a person at the moment. Because I see a lot of people, um, everyone says, go and hire an admin person. Why don't they go, oh, I'm about to hire an admin person. I'm going to go do it. You've, you've jeeved me up to go and do it. What do I get them to do? And you go, well, right, well, if you're not, like, if you're about to hire them and you don't know what they're going to do, then you're not ready for them just yet. You've got to sit down, you've got to spend some time figuring out what, what they're going to get started on first and what, what role they're going to fill. And, and when you look at it, everyone, like, you see a lot of people talk about, I'm going to hire a VA that's just going to help me out in admin stuff. And the way I like to get people to think about it is more like, think about it from an org chart level. Look at your org chart and say, okay, well, we might only be three people at the moment or two people, a couple of techs and, and me or whatever, but... If I was 10 people, we might have these roles in the thing. And I've got my hat on, my, my name on like seven of those hats at the moment. But what's the one that's the lowest ROI for me to be working on at the moment? And, um, and that's the one to then go for. And that, that can sometimes be a technical person if you're, if you're better off doing some of that back-end admin stuff or the sales or whatever it happens to be. But oftentimes, it's, a, it's someone that can help out with bookkeeping and admin work, like bookkeeping and sales admin and quoting and that's that can be done so easily virtually or in person it doesn't matter uh, between the two obviously running a business with a team in person sitting beside each other shoulder to shoulder has got a lot of benefit in there you can you can hang out a lot more and it's much harder to build a remote culture than it is an in-person one but you've also got you've got to have an office if you're going to do that and you've got to you've got to have everybody in the same area and and so there's there's pros and cons of each model there and i think it, it does come down to what you really need and i think that's um that, that's my answer. We'll go around the others, and then I wanted to ask Scott a couple of questions um, about because you're at that point where you're trying to figure out how I can bring some admin assistance help into the business, and um, we can probably dive into that a bit. But I'll I'll let the other guys answer Pete's question first. Is that me? Which way around do you want to go? Is it you? <laughs> oh, hang on, <laughs> that way. <laughs> so okay, uh, the uh, Ben Schneider in chat said, "Morning team." He said, "VAs are a revelation and a must." I know what I'm great at. 
and I also know what I'm not so good at. And these are the things that I now outsource. He says, great topic. The reason I bring up Ben's comment there is, you know, when it comes to who, whether you should hire and when you should hire, for me, I think that the, the best time to hire is immediately uh, because you are going to find things within your business that, as I said earlier, that you don't enjoy doing or more importantly, you shouldn't be doing. Yes. So I'm speaking important. to every MSP uh, owner here uh, when it, when I say that if you are getting too involved in the weeds with invoicing, if you're still doing your own VAT return, if you are scheduling your own meetings, if you are handling your own email, all of these types of things are the things that really you should be bringing in an admin assistant or an exec <laughs> assistant or a finance assistant or a combination of all of those people uh, to help you with those things. If you're confused as to, well, what could I get a VA to do? I actually take the, uh, not the opposing view to Nigel, but I would hire somebody today and let them drive the conversation with you. I would say, hey, look, I know I need help. I don't know where I need help. And I want you to help me <laughs> understand how you can help me. <laughs> so that's, that's the first that's thing. That's really similar, Richard, to, um, th there was something we did fairly often where, and actually I, I, I recommend it to a few people, is to advertise before you actually need the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even down to like engineering side of things, because you can recruit, if, if you're thinking of hiring like a techie in your business, there's no reason why today you can't just put out adverts for like junior engineer, field engineer, senior engineer, a few different positions just to see what comes through, because you might find actually that golden senior engineer does come through that you weren't quite expecting. Maybe you were actually looking for a junior engineer, but the right opportunity comes up with a senior. There's there's no reason why you can't be doing that. Um, and so I think that's well worth um, kind of pointing a out there. It's exactly what you're saying there. Yeah. Always be hiring. Always ABH. Be hiring. <laughs> Always be hiring. Well, let's, let's yeah, we'd, we'd leave job roles the, that were just going like all, all constantly. Yeah. We'd have techie roles constantly going because we just want to see what comes through. And if yeah. a good opportunity is there, then yeah. we'll hire them. Especially when you get to a certain size in business and you, you've got some capacity and whatnot, it's that thing where it's, it makes complete sense to always have the job ads out because when someone does come through that's good, you can pounce and you can say, hey, we, we don't need them at the moment, but that's going to bring up our capacity a bucket ton and drive me to go out and bring in more revenue now because I do have this person. And um, yeah, awesome, awesome approach to take. Um, Scott, we're going to put some spotlight on you for now. <laughs> got to well... Let, let me jump in as the, <laughs> the current MSP runner who isn't filled with bags of money every month to hire all the people that he would like. So there is the challenge, right? Because you say hire the first person and hire them immediately. Well, when I started the business in September, it was me and I wasn't paying myself and I was trying to find clients. Yeah. So that isn't a great time for me to hire someone. So what I had to do was kind of work hard on the, the sales, the marketing, the product, what are we going to be good at? What are we going to be famous for? And then find those people um, through my network and through LinkedIn and through our social content and, and try and drive all that yourself because that is your, your founder's journey, right? You're trying to get all those people. The first person I hired kind of four months in um, was a tech guy. And that was because I'd got to a point where I was like, look at the pipeline, look at the revenue that's coming in. I can't deliver all this by myself. And oh my God, I'm terrified because right now I don't have a mortgage. So I'm not really playing with anything. If this all goes wrong, I'll just go and get a job. Someone will hire me, I'm sure. I'll speak to Richard. He'll, he'll get me a job. Um, but that first hire, right? Suddenly I'm messing around with someone else's family, their mortgage, their income. And I'm saying to them, hey, leave that job that you have and come and work with me. I've got this crazy idea for a startup. It might work, it might not. Who knows? Come join me. 
that that was a revelation and that was terrifying but also that the second we did that we five times our income because i was then able to go out to the, all those prospects and the clients and actually be really confident saying hey we can do this and we can do this in two weeks we can do this we can do this next week we can have it done in three days that confidence was just there now because it wasn't just me there was two of us and actually that guy brought in a whole new range of skills and capabilities that we could say, hey, let's now augment the portfolio. And we did a deeper dive into other areas I wouldn't have thought of. But at that exact moment, I needed someone to do payroll. I needed someone to do legal. I needed someone to do HR. And so we outsourced all of those things because I'm not going to hire someone. I didn't want to contract someone. So I went with outsourced service providers that do bookkeeping, that do payroll, that do HR services. And so those kind of stacked onto my monthlies, but far cheaper than just paying a one-off consultancy. Like it's 200 pound a month maybe for us to have an infinite amount of HR resource. <laughs> cool, okay. I, I'm never gonna get that kind of experience by hiring kind of a part-time HR manager. So we just have that as a service, same for bookkeeping, same for accountancy. But they all kind of stack together straight away. And then we've kind of grown the team. As the revenues have increased, we've made this commitment that says, hey, we're not going to hire sales. We're going to invest in marketing first, and we're going to try and market the business and do all of our socials. And we will keep adding techs as we bring in more and more consultancy work. But what we did say immediately, a bit like I think Ben said earlier, was, you know, know what you're good at. Yeah. We are good at consultancy. Monday to Friday, nine to five, consultancy projects, maybe a bit of out of hours when migrations happen, but we're good at consultancy. And we've got these kind of senior, you know, guys what we're not good at is first second third line break fix and we don't want to be good at it so again one of our next moves was to say hey let's find somebody whether it was in sock or in bay or uptime you know find somebody to do the first second third and take that as a service and actually that comes out as a cost of sale against mm. the client so when we sell something to the client we've got a cost of sale that delivers that service cool okay that lets us focus on what we're good at we outsourced marketing uh, along that journey as well. And we kind of said, hey, let's get someone to do the blog posts and the website updates and the LinkedIn posts. And we'll get some robo posts from here. You know, Microsoft published some things that's published the same as everybody else. As long as we're making noise, it's noise, right? But ultimately, we figured out that that wasn't the right thing for us because it wasn't our tone of voice. It wasn't our character. It didn't represent us in the best way possible. And so we ended up taking that back in house with an apprentice. And that kind of ended up being higher number five along this two year journey, where we brought in a digital marketing apprentice. But it's taken me time genuinely to, to look through and go, okay, we've got tech, we've got outsourced, you know, help desk, we've got marketing now we've got accountancy legal finance we have all those things and it's only now two and a half years into the journey that i'm still going why is my day so busy why why is it so busy what is it that i'm doing and, and i'm just constantly looking at it and going i i need to find more time to work as we always say on the business not in the business so what is it that i'm doing that's so busy and that's where we had the conversation last week with you guys. Go, what, what's driving you crazy? And you know, <laughs> what, what are your challenges? I'm like, there aren't enough hours in the day. Um, it's dumb things. Like the guys are like, hey, I need a sales quote for this thing. Okay, well, it's I have the zero access, so I'll go and do the sales quote. 
the invoicing needs to be done. The reconciliation from mm. PAX 8 every month needs to be done. The Azure invoices are a nightmare. Go, go, go. Sorry, I'll shut question. up. Go, Nigel. Go. No, no, no. Question. And this is, and I'm, I'm asking you this question, Scott, but um, it's a question I wish someone had asked me back then as well. And that is, um, you've hired awesome techs to do all the tech work. What yep. do you think has stopped you from hiring awesome administrative accounting assistants ages ago, like when you were hiring the first techs in there? Why do you think you haven't done that yet? And the reason I'm asking that, like, we've all had, we all, I'm sure Pete and Richard, you, you had that same moment, right? Where you, You've hired techs and whatever, but you're still doing all the the ten dollar per hour admin tasks, like the invoicing, the reconciliations, yeah. and all that stuff. We all got we all got challenged with that, but I'm curious why you think you're why why you haven't started it yet. Because now that's that's a really interesting thing. I I guess that I really value the guys that I've brought into the team and their expertise and their skills, and, and I've hired them specifically for that. And the rest of this noise, I just that's my job. Because right. there's no, like when we, if you do like the the Michael Gerber E Myth Revisited, and you kind of plot out all the seats yeah. in the organization, yeah, yeah. and where it's not one of these guys that I've hired in, I sit in the rest of those seats. Sure. And I've just kind of taken on to that to go, well, yeah, admin and finance and reconciliation and and you yeah. know we do have a bookkeeper, but still there's the the like the monthly stuff that's complicated. I. Do you know what? It's not complicated. I'm doing yes. what I do with customers. You're not special. You're not different. My products aren't yeah. different or special. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. But I, I, I've convinced myself over the last two years that this is awkward and there's only me and I have the access and I yeah. can do it. And We've all convinced ourselves of the same thing. Yeah. Everyone has in that particular role. Yeah. And, yeah. But it's, it's one of those things that – oh, sorry, you go. No, no I was going to say it's, it's stuff that I should have outsourced ages yeah. ago. But again, it's – well, where do I go and who do I take? Right. And, yeah. and I think particularly around the billing as well, there's there's one of my um, coaching clients I'm working through for, for billing that a, a mistake in, so to speak, that we made certainly with, with our business early on is that my wife was brought on board to do the billing and invoicing and reconciliation, which was great. She, she was fine in it. But if you have a holiday, then nothing happens for the two weeks whilst you're on holiday. So with this next business, we, you know, um, she even said like, oh, yeah, I can do your accounts. Like, no, no, I don't want no. to because I want to I wanna go and enjoy myself. Like, we can go and have a family holiday and stuff still happens. Yeah. But if you can find someone to do the bookkeeping and the invoicing and all that kind of stuff um, to, to make sure you give it to somebody that can actually do it whilst you're not there, um, that's, yeah. that's just worth pointing out as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say as well, uh, Scott, and this is particularly aimed at you, my friend, when you overcome that initial resistance, that initial friction mm. to like, Nobody else can do it as well as me. Or yeah. what can I get them to do? The revelation that you have oh, when God, you yeah. bring in somebody who is awesome, who does the work, frees up your time, and they do it better than you. Yep. <laughs> Way better than you. And you're like, yeah. I should have done this years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm looking on the chat at the moment. We've got a number of uh, VAs who are joining us. There's, there's Karina from a team. There's Hayley Frey. She says, very interesting, particularly as a VA, here in the other side of the story. There are so many quality people out there, Scott. And I'm saying this, Scott, to everyone, of course. There's so many quality people out there. Just take overcome the friction, yeah. overcome the fear that nobody else can do it as well as you, and then join us in the promised land, the revelation <laughs> where you've got amazing people surrounding you, and it reduces that business owner loneliness that you get as well when yeah. you're surrounded by brilliant people. Pete, would you agree? I have a question. Okay, so you want to outsource your billing or your financing, your invoicing, that kind of thing. One of the biggest challenges or biggest questions I hear is, but I need to check over everything before it goes out. Yep. Right. How do you respond to that? Hey, can I, I'll, 
I'm going to dive in on this one because we, we dealt with that and it took us some time. But the way we dealt with that is we use ConnectWise and so you could have multiple, you've got your, what's it called? The Where you, you've got the approval level. So invoices go to one person first and then they get routed to the next person. Like timesheets. Yeah, yeah, it's like timesheets, but you can do it with yeah. invoices. And so you, oh, you, of course, you, yeah. 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 And so so we used to, we, initially I was creating all the invoices myself. Like we started off at that end where I'd create all the invoices, I'd look at them all, I'd check everything, I'd tweak everything, I'd do the whole lot. Um and then over time, it took us a year or whatever to get to this process. It was the, I didn't touch the invoicing system at all, apart from just um, doing some reviews of some stuff, which took me maybe five minutes a week. But what we did through that, that year was we put the routing in place so that it went to the right people first. And every single time we picked up a problem or something that was wrong or something that needed to be tweaked, instead of me fixing it, I pushed it back down and I pushed it to wherever, like if it was a tech causing a problem, if it was a service manager approving something that should have been approved, if it was the, the accounts team making sure there was an agreement not in the right place or whatever, I pushed, push, 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 push. And it was painful because we had to push, like if there was a, an invoice that, that got to me and it had a problem on it, I pushed it back to the service, or the accounts person who pushed it back to the service manager, who pushed it back to the tech all the way down. But we solved the root problem of every single challenge that came through. And so then after, a, I'm going to say a year of doing that, um, it was kind of this linear thing where over a year, we just got better and better and better to the point where it would then be weeks at a time where I'd have to, like everything would be perfect for weeks at a time in our invoicing. And that's when I went, all right, it's perfect now. If something's going to slip through now, it's going to be mine. And we've got all these checks and balances in place now with the team to go and do stuff in there. So now I can take that step back. And that worked really, really, really well. Just, just solving every single challenge as a root cause, finding out what the root cause of it is, fixing that so that that particular issue never happened again. Sometimes it was agreements not being assigned properly. Sometimes it was techs using wrong work types. Sometimes it was they, they didn't document things as well as they should on the ticket. There was all these different types of root causes and it was always a, a process problem that we we're able to fix, a people problem we'd be able to fix or um, a procedure we'd be able to kind of update in there or, or part of ConnectWise we'd be able to automate it so we didn't have to deal with that particular step. But we, we went through that. I think we did over time was that when you split out your revenue, so when you've got like your agreements, you've got your project revenue, you've maybe got some ad hoc stuff in there and your subscriptions. If you can break that revenue down, then when you're – when you've got this automated system in place where it just goes out every single month and someone else does it, at least they can look at each revenue line and go, oh, that one doesn't look quite right. It was a yeah. bit higher than normal, a bit lower than normal. Yeah. And then you can just do a comparison to the month before. And obviously, hopefully, there's a small increase each month going forward that's that's not unusual. Um, but you can very quickly spot if you've missed something big and something's gone out. Yep. Well, I think we're going to use our hands raising now to <laughs> when we get ideas rather than yelling over each other. But yeah, you just... Gave me another thought, Pete, that um, that we did very religiously through that year as well was um, we cut the customization out, and and that was in a, like we just cut all the, the the weird agreements that we got, and we got them all down so like everything became standard. The way we quoted everything became standard. The way we sold everything became standard. The way all of our agreements were set up became standard. So there was not all these weird nuances that only I could deal with because I was the only person that understood how that thing was set up. And that took us probably two years to, to do that process because there was agreements you had to go and requote and clients you had to go renegotiate with and all sorts of stuff. But once you got, we got through the tail end of most of that um, and got rid of like some, we had multiple backup products and multiple AV products at one stage and we cleared all of that stuff out over that kind of one to two year period. That meant the invoicing process was easy. It didn't, like there was no customization in it. it made, there was far less steps where things could go wrong then because nearly everything was was in some form of standard. And that was that was another super powerful thing that helped us get it to the point where I didn't have to worry about it anymore. And, um, and it just worked. 
It's a, a point point I'd love to make here that I think just gets to the to the core of what we've been talking about, Nigel, where you were talking about, you know, going to the root cause analysis. Mm. So I mentioned earlier, like fundamental rule number one for MSPs when you talk about outsourcing or working with VAs, and that is overcome this head trash that you've got that nobody can do it as well as you. Yes. The, and I would say the second rule, and we if it's not become apparent to everybody watching now, based on what Nigel has just said. The other thing that's going to go through your head when you come across issues, when you come across examples where people are not doing it to your standard or not doing it to the company standard, and I'm going to put this out there, the number two thing that you need to overcome is it's quicker to do it myself. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Uh -huh. It's not true. It's not true. It may be quicker right there that in time. the moment yeah. to just fix it, but then the people don't learn. They don't, uh, the culture doesn't change, and you end up doing the same thing again and again and again. So, Richard's <laughs> fundamental rule number two is it ain't quicker to do it yourself. Let oh, yeah. other people know where things are not to your expectation, and they will up their game because you're surrounding yourself with awesome people. So, um, I think, Nigel, we, we what had you a just said about that. that. Link, that makes we, we had a client that would phone us and say it's quicker to phone you than it is to, to google it <laughs> no no you're doing it wrong <laughs> google it first <laughs> um just so to touch on something very briefly because um red redmond tech brought it uh was it redmond tech uh, brought it up in the comments down below of what's what's a holiday um the, the question around how you can get a chance of actually scott you look like you're <laughs> when did you Scott's like looking uncomfortable <laughs> What do we need to do to get Scott a holiday? Seriously, one of my misbeliefs, maybe. Um, no, it's not. Do you know what it is? Is uh, um, It's a misbelief. I, I know it's a limiting it's belief. It's all in here. That's the problem. It's head trash. It's all in here. Yeah. Head trash. It's in here. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's that. It's the attitude. But also, it's the, like all of those ways to do things, like, who knows how to go and get all the stuff out of Pax8 and bang it into zero and prepare the customer invoice and save it into SharePoint in that yeah. invoice folder for them, blah, blah, blah. Me, because I'm the only guy that does it. Because you haven't so recorded the I'm video to show someone else how to do it yet. That's the yeah, only it's, thing. It's like, I just need to make an SOP that goes, here, you do this. Oh, this customer's slightly different, so here's the SOP for that customer. And it's just documenting that. And I think what it is is I don't put a value on my own time yes. in, in yeah, the yeah, business yeah, yeah. because I just do everything Huge. else that kind of fits in right? Everyone else is kind of paid for work and they're paid for by the client. Whereas me, I'm just here to kind of run the business. So I've kind of taken on the rest of those roles. But what I know is I, I look at the stuff that I want to do for the business this year. You know, we're making plans for what's our, you know, FY 22, 23, what are we doing? And I'm like, when do I get to do that? Because, you know, I, I, I'll admit I am not a 16 hour a day working at the weekends guy. I'm not. I've made the actual commitment that I work nine to five and I walk out the door at five and I won't take my laptop. I'm at the point of uninstalling LinkedIn because I spend a lot of time in the evenings <laughs> doom scrolling through LinkedIn looking at what other people are doing better than me. But <laughs> I refuse to work outside of those hours. Nine to five, that's the business time because it, it already sucks so much of my, my energy to, to do this. And I love it. Don't be wrong. I'm not complaining. But I don't want it to become an evening and an invoke on the family time and the weekend. The whole point of me starting this business was that it would be good for us and our family. That was the whole point. But what that means is I spend so much time in the day doing nonsense and admin. And that's where I'm at this point just going, I can't keep doing that. This, this needs to be standardized. It needs to be outsourced. It needs to be 
like we've done with you know service desk and bookkeeping and you know hr and finance all that stuff's outsourced my team of five when i added up is actually a team of 13 by the time mm -hmm. i bring in all those other people that we currently outsource to so let's get it to 15 let's get some more people in the team that take the admin away and then i'm focusing on the great stuff that we're doing with the customers mm. agreed one of the yeah, things i was going to mention there scott um, oh, sorry, Pete, you go, because I've got three things I want to run through, so I'll be probably long. Okay. I'll I was just going to touch on the, those, those of you who are kind of stuck at that point of um, needing to outsource stuff, but but it's all in all in there. Just just start documenting. The next time you do it, just you know, spin up a, a, a new document, IT glue, or whatever your documentation system is, and just bullet point what you're doing as you go through it. I mainly did it because I'm really forgetful. So the next time I would do it, I would then forget some of the steps or we have a specific things to do for specific customers. So we had a billing process that we could just hand off to anybody that says, do the bill run, which you know, had steps into it. Then make sure you go to this system, collect the direct debits from these companies manually and just whatever it is that you need to do. So document it as you go along is by far the best way. And then once you've documented it, hand it over to somebody, let them do it. Find out the mistakes. And I think that was a good point from, from Lee in there. In terms of like having a holiday, like have that break. Give it to them. Let them make the mistakes so you can then come back and fix those. There's the whole, um, I think Mike Michalowicz did another, there was another book he wrote that was all about you have a week holiday, then you come back, fix the problems. Then you have a two-week holiday, <laughs> come back, fix the problems. And you stretch that right until you get like a month long and six months and, and ongoing until you completely remove yourself from the business. Um, so that's, that's a great way of doing it. Agreed. And that makes perfect sense. I've seen that in, in bigger organizations when I was at like the larger MSPs where we we had to force people to let go. We had to force them to let that trust go to the delegate, let it go to the, the manager underneath because they're like, oh, but it, every time it does, it goes wrong. Yeah, but if you keep doing it, what's the point in having a delegate if yeah, you yeah. keep doing the work? Let it go wrong, help them fix it, and then they understand what to do better next time. That's that's the whole way delegation and trust has to work. But I think Theo makes the point is, you know, he has an issue handing over the trust component. I, I totally understand that. I think you have to start, though, and you have to let those mistakes yeah. happen and accept that mistakes will happen along yep. the way. But it's then how you support and, you know, continue that journey will make it worthwhile. Um, and the thing I'm hearing from this is, you know, I get more time back. I get things done faster and more efficiently that I don't have to worry about anymore. And you know I can carry on, and I've I've got a three week holiday in Texas planned, so I, I better get Ooh. on with it. That's good. When you've got a <laughs> when you've got a deadline, it's it's something that you can work towards, which makes it much easier. With the the SOPs, when we sold our business, we had eleven hundred entries in our SOP system, um, and and that took years to create. And some of them were like three liners, some of them were eighty five steps, and there were a lot of, most a lot of them were admin procedures in there, and some of them were quite complicated, and there were things that initially only I knew how to do in the business. And I hate writing documentation and SOPs. Like it just drives me badonkadonk. Um, but what I did a lot of was realize that I can, I don't have to create the SOP. I can sit with my person on a Zoom call or beside them and run through the process with them and say, okay, I'm doing this and whatever. And they can record the Zoom call or they can sit and take notes and whatever. And they go and create the SOP. And so most of the probably 700 or 800 of those SOPs, the team had created I, I was involved in a lot of them um, initially, especially the admin backend side of things. Um, but most of it was me doing videos or sitting with a person and they go and create the process out of that. And then we, we did that, like Pete said, the whole test of, we used to do it, not, not every process, but a lot of the major ones, we'd do it where 
I'd run through the process with them there taking notes and they'd do it all and whatever. And then the second time, like if it was a monthly reconciliation or something like that, then the second time we'd run through it the next month, I would sit beside them while they followed their steps in the SOP. And I'd go, oh, no, you've missed this step here or you need to do that or whatever, and we'd get it sorted out. Third time, I'd leave them on their own, and then we'd, we'd be fine from there. Typically, it was that, that three times for more complicated ones. But Loom was was phenomenal for that stuff, just creating a – you could sit there and it might take you half an hour to an hour to create a step-by-step documentation of a 10-minute task, whereas if you do the 10-minute task right when you, and you're on Loom as you're doing it, it's just 10 minutes of your time then. It saves you a bucket load of time. It's an investment. It's an investment. Oh, God, yeah. Huge investment. Cost. We use it nearly every day in the tech tribe for things. We, we, we create Loom videos all day, every day, and it's awesome. And, Scott, one of the things that I started with um, – and someone told, I can't remember who it was, might've been a business coach or something when I was struggling with how to, like what tasks should I get off my plate first? And um, they made me do a time audit where I, where for a two or three week period or whatever, I just audited everything down to literally the, for me, I did it down to the kind of five minutes of where my time was going. And I put them all in buckets and those buckets were like um, sales admin work and vendor work and account management work and level three technical work and solution design work and uh bookkeeping work and all of that stuff. And I put it all into buckets. And I used a, a, an awesome tool called Toddle, T-O-D-Y-L. It's like a time tracking tool that sits on your computer. And then I just made sure that everything had a category. And then I printed out the things at the end and went, holy crap, like in that four-week period or whatever it was, like I did 28 hours of admin work in there. And I'm looking at it going like, crap, that's like $15 an hour work. And so I hired someone for $10 an hour or whatever it is. And over those months, just did all those SOP things. And that 28 hours within three months was kind of off my plate um, and just used that process the whole way. But going from I, when I did it, and this was on the advice of the, the coach I was using at the time, is I didn't go to the complicated high-end technical stuff first because that's harder to get off your plate, like especially solution design, account management, and all that kind of stuff. That's where I needed to spend more time in. It was all the, the base stuff, all the – like you said, you've got this reconciliation with Pax8 and whatever that you've got to go through. Guaranteed you can get that off your plate so darn easy with a couple of Loom videos and a, and a what. And it was those sort of things. I got all of that off my plate um, over that that period of time. And and it, it, as as Richard said, you come out the other side of that process with kind of this new filter and view of the world, going, "Holy crap! Like the world is now my oyster. I've now got people doing these things, and I've I've got past that trust issue now. There's always that trust hump that, that Theo I think talked about in there. It, the only way through that or over that is through it. Like you've you've just got to go and, and build trust with people and and realize that. Um, 99.9% of humans are good. Like they're good people and they, they're not out there to try and do something malicious for you. And and the more you go in in business, the more you get this this sense of who to hire and, and people and loyalty and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and as long as like the other thing we put in place to counter that is checks and balances. Like when, when like the whole trust thing was like, oh, I don't want to give them access to bank accounts to do all of this stuff and whatever. And we, so we didn't initially. And what we did though is is I, I had multi-level security setup in our banking system so that uh, I didn't, instead of me logging in and doing all these individual payments, each payment thing and doing all that stuff, we got it to the point where they queued up all the payments, they created these batches, they did the whole lot and they had this report that they gave to me that then meant that I could just look at the report and go, they all look good and I make one, I click one approve button on the 50 grand that all goes out with all of the batch stuff in it. And so instead of, that was kind of the check and balance on the end, I did that five minutes on the end of checking everything to make sure it's okay. And that meant that the trust was like, kind of inherent in that problem that process based on the process not based on a person being involved in there yeah that makes sense I've had, I've had a great experience of, of outsourcing our bookkeeping stuff because yeah. again it was one of those things that I just did I'll do the invoices I'll do the bank reconciliations I'll do I'll do I'll do 
And it was taking me hours and hours and hours each week as, as we got busier and busier and we bought more stuff and we sold more stuff and all that kind of thing was happening. Um, and it was just, a, I mentioned to my uh, accountant, I was like, you don't do bookkeeping, do you? Do you have mm-hmm. someone who could just do all this stuff? And now she's like, yeah, it's like 25 pounds an hour. I'm like, oh, do, do that. <laughs> and so we tried it and, and every week, like I was getting nervous because like she would do it once a month and I'm like, no, I need. I need to see it on a weekly yeah. basis. And she was like, I can do it weekly if you want. Oh, cool. Okay. So I know every Thursday, and in fact, this morning right now, I know that she's doing our books. Awesome. And the funny thing is, I thought it would take me weeks and weeks. Well, it was taking me hours and hours and hours each week is what I was going to say. And now I get the bill at the end of the month, and she's like, yeah, it was five hours this month. Five <laughs> hours. It was yep. taking me a damn sight longer than five hours. And because yep. she's a bookkeeper, she goes, um, I've got this, uh, you've put it in the wrong parts, I've fixed it for you, you were claiming VAT on this, we don't pay VAT on biscuits, whatever it was. <laughs> but she like fixes all the errors. Like even if I've tried to help during the week and categorize things, she checks right. the stuff I've helped with and then goes, you did that wrong. Yeah. So I'm like, now, like we're a year into that process and I'm just like, I, I, don't, I don't look at this now. I, I check in zero because I'm doing like, I'm still doing the quotes and stuff, but I need to get out of zero. I don't, I don't want to be in there. Yeah. And, and now I don't need to look at those reconciliations. She just does all of that. And I've got total faith in her getting it because she does it better than me, faster than me, to your point, Richard. Um, and I've got that time back. And I just get a little bill at the end of the month because, yeah, you owe us 100 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this comes down to a, a, fundamental, a fundamental thing. And I'm speaking to every MSP, including Scott Riley uh, here. Uh, we, as MSPs, speak to our clients and we say, Hey, you should, we don't use these terms, I'm paraphrasing, you should outsource your IT to us because you've got better things to do with your time than fix computers. And they go, that sounds like a good idea. And so managed services was born. Why is it then that so many managed service providers insist on becoming accountants, admin assistants, (laughs) marketeers, you know, and I'm being glib here, of course I am. But the point is, you know, Scott, you just said publicly on air, like, Oh, when I outsource the bookkeeping, like we have the revelation. It's like, oh, yeah, it all just worked. So you've won 100% of the outsourcing tasks that you've, you've tried so far. So for everybody watching this, you know, take that faith and use it for your admin. Um, and maybe if you are stalling with marketing, uh, you know, there's a bigger question. You can't abdicate responsibility yeah. here. But maybe you could get somebody for marketing. Maybe uh, HR needs to be outsourced. Maybe, maybe, you know, there's all these different things. And, and the point I want to make just to, to sort of summarize all of this is, you know, Nigel and Scott and Pete and I always talk about we love the work that we do. Most everybody watching this loves working in managed services. And there's that old phrase, isn't there? If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That is absolute rubbish. <laughs> if you love what you do, you are going to work harder than anyone yeah. else every single day of your life. So you need to put boundaries in, as we talked about earlier. You need to be finishing at five o'clock. You need to be finding other people to do the things that you shouldn't be doing so that you can concentrate on doing the work that you love. Because left to your own devices, you will just do it all of your, all yourself. And that's where workaholism comes from. So, yeah. Haley's question in the, uh, the chat was a very, very good question. And, and I... Yeah. Possibly you might want to blow your mind with it. So for, for those that hire multiple VAs to complete all the tech and admin tasks, how do you avoid du- uh, duplication of work or tasks falling through the cracks? And the, the blowing your mind answer is going to be to outsource it. Because you, can, <laughs> yeah. 
But I, I, I literally don't. have one, one like main yeah. VA who kind of looks after everything for me. I give all of my tasks to that VA, yeah. and she then hands the that out to all the other like sub VAs and, yeah. and looks after them. Uh, so that that's how I look after that. You know, there's there's no issue with duplication. She tracks everything, make sure it's up to date, make sure it's back in time, all of that stuff. Just get someone to do that for you. We've done the same thing, Haley. Uh, so within my my team here, I, I hired a uh, many many people in the managed service industry. Know a lady called Claire Jenks, um, and she initially looked after the entire team and made sure they were doing. Uh, Jenks has moved on. She's doing like other stuff, but we've got Lara, who is a studio manager we hired. And again, my business is not an MSP, but you know the concept is very simple. And Lara just makes sure that everybody's doing what they should be doing on time and not treading on each other's toes. And so, yeah. Uh, I agree with you, Pete. It sounds crazy, but you outsourced. <laughs> Looking after the outsourced staff to somebody who's outsourced. Outsourced. It's very meta. Um, yeah. And the, the other one of the tasks falling through the cracks as well is uh, we talk about like this whole trust thing and, and handing trust across to people. But you, you often hear that or you, you always hear that saying trust but verify. And so in our like as an example of how we had that in our business was we we had the team do all sorts of different things that they were allowed to do in there. But we also had every single month reconciliation processes across accounting, across inventory, across times, across all different types of things so that we could verify that the trust that we gave was working okay and and that the accounts would line up and, and bookkeeping would line up and whatever it was. And so that, that verification slash reconciliation process in this whole thing is wildly important. In the Tech Tribe, we've got a couple of reconciliation processes that we run through every single month that take Fatima two days at the moment we're reducing it down to one day with some some automation we're putting in at the moment but two days at the moment to reconcile a bunch of things just to make sure that that things are working fine each month and that's that's that whole trust but verify thing in in play that you're making sure that things are like things can't slip through the cracks and if they do you've got a mechanism to to catch them not too far into the future in there we uh we love making book recommendations on the show don't we so i'll throw one i'll throw a couple out here as, as we come towards the end of the show there's one uh, the checklist manifesto by an yeah. author called i've got that i just wrote that here i told you one day so i told you one day is uh, a brain surgeon so he works in uh, medical and you're thinking what the heck has this got to do with managed services it's got everything to do with managed services because uh, uh in the uh, medical industry doctors and surgeons and consultants they are super, super smart people. But, and this goes to any managed service provider watching this, super, super smart people make assumptions and rely on their own knowledge to get stuff done. And so what Atul Gawande noticed was that people were losing their lives and people were, you know, there was slip-ups being made in surgery and stuff because the arrogance of the uh, consultants were, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I don't need to be told how to do. And so he wrote a whole book about how he raised uh, uh, the standards there by having checklists mm. for stuff. And if you don't believe in checklists, let me ask you this. When you get onto an aeroplane to go away on holiday, Scott's flying to Texas in a, in a few weeks' time. Scott, when you get on the aeroplane and you sort of glance at the pilot through the pilot's door, would you rather have a pilot mm -hmm. who is sat there going tick, 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 or would you rather have a pilot who goes, I've done this for years, right, let's get underway? because you don't want to like you don't want to have the guy who's like yeah i know what i'm doing i'm not i don't need to to be challenged on this so the checklist manifesto really top book and the other one i throw i want to throw out here 
uh, is a book by Chris Ducker, and it's called uh, yeah. Virtual Freedom. So if you're interested in what we were talking about earlier in the show about different cultures and outsourcing in different parts of the world and what people can do for you, uh, Virtual Freedom by Chris Ducker, incredible book about uh, dealing with different cultures and things. Yeah, both awesome books. That Check this manifesto in – I read that probably – two and a half three years before i sold my msp and it was a big tipping point in our journey is it it really helped me figure out how to get the team to get on board with documentation and sops in there and there's a, a great story in it about a plane and the one of the first planes that, that crashed when the checklist became too like the takeoff checklist became too much in aviation history for a human brain to be able to remember it every time there were so many different things and they'd forgotten to lift up flaps or something like that and it caused the crash and so i, I when i did that, I kind of had those revelation moments and I sat with the team and I went I went through the whole reason why and I used that that analogy and, and whatnot. And once the team kind of got why we were doing SOPs in there and that it's not about making monkeys out of people, it's about allowing us to free up our headspace to focus on focus on even more important, awesome, amazing stuff. And and Scott, one of the things that I you mentioned before was you were saying like it saved me five hours or whatever it is here. But the 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 intangible that it saves you is the brain cycles that you use focusing on that stuff. And that's, that's where you get even more benefit out of this stuff is when you, when you've got all that stuff off your plate and all the low level stuff off your plate, instead of thinking about that, when you come to work in the morning, you're thinking creatively higher and you're thinking about marketing strategies or team things or new products and services you're going to roll out and whatnot. And so that's, that to me is the real intangible, but most highest ROI benefit out of doing all this stuff is not just freeing up the time. It's the freeing up of the mental capacity to go and focus on higher level things. And once, once you and the team get that and they, they start getting all these SOPs in place for all these things that they're going on, oh, no, we don't need to do this. We know how to bloody roll out a new computer. Uh, once they do that, then you can, you can think at a higher level and you, your team thinks at a higher level. And that's when you become really freaking awesome at doing things. I think the, the reality as well is it, it takes the bookkeeper five hours. It was taking me a lot longer yeah, because yes. she, she's skilled at it, right? So it was taking me a lot longer than that. Plus, like you say, all the mental distraction and fatigue. One of the things that it's not it's not 100% the same, but one of the things that kind of inspired me, Pete, you and I went on a, a YouTube training academy with Ali Abdal. And I noticed that there was a lady there who uh, she's called, I want to say Sushi Knutson. I might have murdered her surname, but she produces videos on YouTube that now have over 2 million views. And she does not appear in the video, have a camera, edit the video, write the video. She does nothing in the video production process at all. And she's hired through Upwork and through other agencies, mostly Upworks. She's hired a team of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people. <laughs> and they have one central person who's the director of operations based in the UK, and then a team of eight people that do the writing, the editing, the video production, the content research. They do everything. Now, I would argue that for most of us, our, our personality is our brand and our, you know, our uniqueness is what we bring to the customers. But what it inspired me to go is, if you think about the concept of making YouTube videos, you immediately assume I need a camera, I need video skills, I need the software, I need computers, I need to look good on camera, I need to sound good, I need to write scripts, I need to research. She does none of those things and has a very, very large income coming in every month from YouTube channels. And you just think, we have to get out of our own head to go, we're not that special. As one of the guys said earlier on, I think it was Ben is, what is the stuff that we are special at and what's everything else and who can do the everything else? But my final overriding thought that I think of every month as a business owner is, 
yeah, but how much is that costing me? Because everything is, that's 250 pounds a month and that's an extra 250 pounds a month. And here's, well, this one's just another hundred and that's a hundred and that's a hundred. But you look at it all and you go, oh, it's a, it's a lot of money. And, and then you're thinking, well, is that value for money or should I take the brain power back and, and should I just do it and suck it up? And that's that kind of, you know, founders challenge. Yeah. That we find I've, got, I've, I've got to challenge you on this. Got yeah. to challenge you because I've got to ask. Like you're asking, how much is it costing? Scott Riley is world class, awesome. We know this. Everybody who watches the show knows this. How much is it costing Scott Riley by spending time on the things that he shouldn't be doing when that big That's fat juicy brain of yours should be off doing awesome sauce? How much is it costing you by not doing these things? That's the That's question. The other way to reframe it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and, I, and I, I think that's fair. It's it's you know when when I, there's so much stuff I want to do, but I don't have the time to do it. Or I feel like I don't have the time to do it. Yeah, but there's it's like opportunity cost. It is yeah. Yes. What's the opportunity cost exactly. of that? And there's one of my clients that I'm speaking to that we're we're getting we're getting there now. We're actually making some progress, and he's really behind on his invoicing. He's he's, he's backed up and he's trying to trying to get there. Every single time we kind of have the discussions, like okay, how much is sat there in like your 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 stuff waiting to be built? I was about 60 maybe 80 grand <laughs> but you you could hire someone obviously there's a bit of time going into do the do the policy you know, processes and, and sops but you can hire someone and fix that problem pretty much straight away um but it's just getting to that stage of actually being able to hire that person having the sops in place and also i wanted to add into there that um I, I'm, I'm assuming it's more than just me but the number of times we went out to hire somebody and didn't actually know if we could afford to pay them because you just you have to take that leap of faith of, look, we're going to take a bit of a risk when I hire you, but that means well, I can now free up my time to go and get more business in or you know make efficiency elsewhere. Even in a, the very, very early days, we made, not even in the early days, in some of the later days, um, whether it was a mistake or not, we had interviews with people and we were literally like, I don't know if we can afford to pay you, um, but we're going to pay you, we're going to hire you still. They still join, they still still work for us. Because in some situations, when we were talking earlier about just recruiting for you know all the positions, there were kind of some more senior people that came through and were like, "You are really good. Like we really, really want you. Really can't afford you, but we're going to make it work. Like we've got probably six months worth of cash in the bank if if we do hire you um, to pay for you. So I know I've got six months to really you know put my uh, foot down and, and figure out how we're going to fill fill that gap. So it, it's not uncommon, I don't think, for you to hire people um, that you can't afford technically. And it is that whole, you're looking at your income every single month and you're going, is, is this the new norm? Is that the new norm? Is it going to die down the next month later? I'm going to hire somebody and then it's all going to disappear. Hmm. There is always that risk. And uh, there, there is no easy answer, I don't think, to that. It's just kind of go with your gut feel, hire people that you think you, you need to free up that time to go and do the work. Um, and yet always, if you're, if you're seeing your trajectory is going up and your income is going up and hopefully your profit is going up, then, then yeah, look at hiring someone. Cash flow forecasting. Is, hmm. is really, really good in that situation. Um, there's an app I use a, a lot still to this day, Float, uh, which ties Floats, in with yeah. zero. And you can literally plan and say, if I'm going to hire someone, I'm going to spend more on salary, on national insurance, on on equipment to hire, the, you know, hire them, recruitment fees. You can add all those costs in and it will show you by a line whether your bank balance starts going down and then how long you've got to survive until your bank balance reaches zero. And it actually says that it's, it's really good. The latest thing, it literally has a figure at the very top says days until you run out of cash. <laughs> in the top. 
<laughs> and I, basically, that's how I don't, I don't want this app. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a lot of the time it was we've got six months, we've got eight months. Um, you, obviously, you want to get to the stage where you don't run out of cash and it's just consistently you're hitting revenue each time. But it, just, just me having that figure always being six months, eight months, we were always overreaching. We were always growing and adding people and adding things to it so we could grow the business. Um, obviously, burn, the if you want boats. To... burn the boats that's a phrase I'm a big fan of that Scott so like burn the boats and then you will make it work so if you hire yeah. somebody and you've got make sales to pay for them by god you will go out and do the sales so those limitations <laughs> create that sort of innovation burn the boats one of the strategies that I used a couple of times with roles, Scott, as well, was to start the role part-time and with a goal to get it full-time in three to six months. And because what you, especially if you're looking at an admin role and you're going, oh, like for me to give someone full-time work at the moment, I got like, that's going to be a heck of a lot of work for me to go through and get all their SOPs sorted out and, and train them, trained up and whatever. But often you can, you can say, hey, like right now we've got probably 15 to 20 hours a week of work. Our goal over a six month period is to get this to a full-time role. And if you like, we want you to be wanting that as well in the long run. Um, I've done that a couple of times successfully. The only thing you've got to be careful of with that is when you, you want to try and transition someone to full-time fairly quickly, if they're looking for full-time work, because otherwise they will have, they will get income from somewhere else. that's taking up the other 20 hours a week or whatever it is. And inevitably that person will then go, ah, I want you 40 hours a week here as well. So sometimes it's one of those things that the times I've done it, I've aimed for the three to six month period to get it to full time. And um, and that's just given me a little bit of extra kind of float or leeway in there to not be so stressed about giving them a full time amount of work straight away. Um, and it's kind of given me that kind of yeah safer route to get there. But, but VAs, you can hire for micro work. Yeah, for so one hour task. It, it, yeah. it, it can be as, as little as an hour. So yeah, virtual yeah. assistant. If you're worried about not having enough to give them, just go and hire somebody to do one task. Yeah, That's the way it's the gig economy. That's the way it works now. So. Another place that I'll throw in there, because I think it was Paul Green that mentioned it to me, was Time ETC, yeah, Time Etc. Um, yeah. I think they're, they're global by the looks of things. Yeah. Um, they're pretty reasonably priced, and um, they go out and find someone specific for your task. Um, th that's a great place to go if you're looking for a kind of a, a VA, like an admin type VA. Yeah, you've got Uptime, Upwork, and online jobs and those kind of places. But I'd throw in uh, time, et cetera, into the uh, into the hat as well. Cool. I think in the tribe as well, they've also mentioned Get Magic, which I think you've had a yep, trial I've with. Used Get Magic. I've, I've, yeah, Get I've Magic used them for a lot of um, like booking. Like for us in the tech tribe, if we're doing events all around the place, I'll use them to try and find restaurants in an area that can have 20 people sit in it and then book it and all that sort of stuff. Like just getting out there and doing research kind of work and talking to people and just coming back to me with info. Um, I have given them some admin tasks in the past, but I find that um, because you don't get direct access to an individual person there, you, you've got to train them up every single time on how to do it. And they're more, uh, give them a once-off kind of unique-ish kind of task that's a research thing that anybody could take on um, that's not repeatable. And they're awesome at that. They've got great, really highly emotionally intelligent people that can make really smart decisions and, and do really good research and, and whatever for you. Um, but in terms of having someone that, that get magic to go and do your, your monthly invoicing, it's probably not the best route to do something like cool. that. Cool. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. We're over time. Again, we're going to wrap up. Again. Scott, I've got a question for you. When are you hiring yes. someone? What date? <laughs> Where uh, are you I, am, I have arranged, I've already arranged a call with uh, a recommendation from Richard yes. for VA services. Awesome. So Very good. We're already on it. Awesome. Very good. And then, then you've got a holiday booked in already. So you've got a date um, that yeah. you can work backwards yeah, to work getting I'm, some of this stuff off your plate. 
it's going to work. I'm going to be in the US. So yeah. <laughs> nothing better than, than those, I think those times away when I did like the five out five week trips overseas, a number of times with my wife back to France was the best time for me in the business and the business. Cause that just highlighted a shot spotlight on everything that was, that I needed to focus on. And the first time I went, I came back to week or two or three of pain and catch up. The last couple of times I went, I'd come back to a half a day of catch up after five weeks. And, um, and that was such an awesome feeling to come back to that. It took time to get there, but holy crap, it is such an awesome feeling to come back. And, um, and that's with, with kind of checking my laptop maybe once a week while I was over there, just if, in case there was an emergency that someone wanted me for. Um, and that was it. So, um, well, it's my first day back today after being off for a week, and I glanced at my email this morning, and it's like, it's like I'm not needed in my own business now. So, yeah, Karina, who's That's on the, the call, right now, also, uh, PA, and the rest of the team just done stuff. So thank you, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Time to wrap up. Six minutes past. We'll figure out when we finish up this call, we're going to ask Scott what his next challenge is now. So we can, we've got a topic for next week around. Join us next week for public therapy with Scott Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> it's now been rebranded. Um, anyway, I'll man up. Pete, you're always good at doing the, the outros. I'll always forget something. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, everybody, as always, for joining us. Uh, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Nigel. Thanks to everyone in the comments for joining us. Don't forget to go down below, Richard, for the subscribe button to the YouTube channel if you're not watching on YouTube. If you are watching on like the LinkedIn or the Facebook groups or anything along those lines, head over to YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Yeah. Completely free. It doesn't cost you a thing. Um, We're not also charging for this. <laughs> we should probably talk about sponsors at some point. But, but I don't know if we can get any uh, hook into some of Richard's vendors at some point. Podcast, if you're wanting to listen to our beautiful faces instead of uh, look at them, then you can listen to on your favorite podcast platform. So uh, go find them on uh, on Apple, on Spotify, all the, all the usual things. And uh, yeah, with that said, thank you very much once again. And uh, see you same time, same place next week. I think, I think that should be the, the tagline for our podcast. Listen to our beautiful faces. <laughs> 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 awesome. Thank Thanks you, everyone. everyone.